Welcome to On Top of PR with Jason Mudd, presented by Review Maxer. Hello and welcome to On Top of PR. I'm your host, Jason Mudd, and today we're talking about human resources and recruiting, retaining, um, and managing uh, your team. And I'm joined by no other than Molly Ironman. And Molly is with Vivo Partners. She is our trusted advisor in the HR space and somebody I wanted to share her smarts with with you. So Molly, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. I'm glad you're here and I'm glad to be here as well because you've been very helpful to me over the years and I want to have an opportunity to have you be helpful to our audience. How does that sound? That sounds wonderful. Good, good. So uh, for the, the viewer or listener, um, why don't you give them a like a one to three sentence bio, kind of who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so I am the founder and CEO of Vivo Growth Partners. We are an HR consulting and talent management firm. Uh, we help small to mid-sized companies all over the country with their people, um, whether it's standing up their HR function and being their HR team, um, being their recruiting team and helping them find top talent. Um, we really walk hand in hand with those businesses. That's a great description because that's been my experience working with you and your team as well, is that's exactly what you do and help us with. And so um, I'm glad we can dive into this. So I think kind of the first thing we wanted to talk about was, you know, what's the current environment for uh, finding people? Now, uh, to be fair, we're recording this on October 28th of 2021. I think a lot of what we're going to share today is going to be relevant for months to come. And this episode will air uh, in a couple of weeks, but the current environment today is is what Molly? What's what are you seeing right now? It's it's been insane. Um, I'm sure anyone listening to this, no matter what level in an organization you're in, what type of industry or department or anything, can can definitely appreciate that um, the pandemic. I think we all thought, although there were a lot of issues with layoffs and unemployments early on. Um, we have just never seen a hiring boom like this. And and granted, you know, I'm. 12, 15 years into career, people who have been in the industry much, much longer have said the same thing that they've never seen. Um, just resignation, like the great resignation, the the need to find talent and people flying off the market so quickly. And really it's because with the pandemic, um, it opened up the, the market to be something where candidates and employees actually have the upper hand. Um, they can demand flexibility. And if a company says, hey, we're going back to the office and they don't want to, they can go find a job somewhere that'll let them work remotely. And, and perhaps if it's headquartered on one of the coasts and they live in the middle of the country, they might actually get to make more money. Um, so we're just seeing so much change. Um, we knew we knew kind of at the end of last year, I'd say around this time last year, we knew that there was a need for recruiting support, that there was going to continue to be a need. I did not know that it was going to be this massive. Um, and we really haven't seen it slow down this year. Since things really picked up in February, March, I don't, I haven't seen it slow down. It's just gotten more intense. So uh, Molly, our, I have a, a question to ask you based on what you just shared. And that would be, um, are people resigning because they their employer is requiring the, them to come into the office? Or are there scenarios where maybe their employer is not requiring them to go in the office and they're ready to go back to the office? Both. That's a good okay. question. Um, I think what we're seeing is people are making changes. Um, they're making career changes based on believing they have a different purpose and different people are making changes for different reasons, right? Sure, people who, right. who might be later 
in life or, or maybe have young children, they might really want flexibility. And so if they're being required to go back or travel a ton, they, that might be a reason they resign. Someone who is perhaps really extroverted and thrives on being in the office and really doesn't do well at home and their company said, hey, we're going completely remote, that might be a reason for them to change. Um, we've also started hearing a lot, especially with some of the younger generations, so some of the younger millennials and Gen Z people um, actually making changes because they want to work for, for a company that has a purpose and feel like they're making a, a difference. Um, I just talked to my dog sitter this week and he said he worked in the restaurant industry for years and now he's dog sitting as his full-time job because he likes, he feels like he has a purpose and he's sure. getting to, to do something fun. And um, so I think people are making changes for all different reasons. And I think everyone kind of being trapped at home or, you know, just all the different changes throughout the pandemic has really made people realize even more so that they don't have to stay in a job they don't love because there's tons of other opportunities out there. Sure, sure. We, uh, you know, we went 63 months with zero turnover. So turnover mm -hmm. is obviously a priority for us. But, you know, we had, uh, you know, we had one person leave our company recently and uh, we were surprised because this was somebody who was not asking, you know, we, we you know, said, hey, are people ready to come back? Do they want to come back? And this person, no, no, no I'm very happy working from home. I have no need to uh, come back. And then they ended up taking literally what I perceive to be a cubicle job, you know, working at a, at a big company that has their PR department just in cubicles. And, um, you know, that was surprising to us, I would say, just because, you know, this person indicated they didn't want to come back into the office. And yet uh, they took a job where a company is, you know, certainly not very, um, uh, very interested in having people work from home. And, uh, you know, people leave for different reasons, uh, but that was just surprising to us that, you know, we heard from our whole team, nobody was ready to come back to the office. And so we played that out and then come to find out they had taken a job somewhere else that requires you to go in the office. So I think, as you said, you know, people have different priorities and it's unfair and unreasonable to kind of generalize them, but certainly you start to see trends and those trends are based on, you know, a series of macro data, not just micro information and anecdotal. So. Right. I mean, did you, I'd be, I wonder whether that person got a huge salary bump because we yeah. are seeing that in some mm -hmm. cases where some of our smaller clients are getting, uh, their staff are getting poached because they're huge companies who just have the wallets. They yes. are making offers people can't refuse. Right. And yeah, that's right. You know, I think the challenge is that that'll, that might feed them for a little while, right. That might feed mm -hmm. their soul for a little while, but at some point they'll probably realize that's, at the end of the day, maybe that's not the end all be all. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but we refer to those as boomerang employees. So they leave and then they want to come back. And yeah. uh, some of those, we let them come back and other ones we don't. Uh, generally, we don't just as a policy, but when you've got a star that wants to come back and you can work through and talk through, you know, okay, why'd you leave? What, what do we have to do to keep you versus, you know, having you leave again? Um, right. But, you know, it's good for those people to have experiences, especially I found there's some people who come to work for our agency from their internship and they've never worked anywhere else. And there's obviously value when they've gone somewhere else and realized uh, it's tougher other places. So yeah. agreed. Yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely times with with clients where someone leaves and maybe it's to go to a bigger company or, or you know, just a different organization and, and the owners might get really frustrated or that they don't didn't have any idea or there was no warning. And I think sometimes, you know, you, you're right. You do just kind of need to see if the grass is greener or not on the other mm -hmm. side, especially early on in your career.
When you're advising clients, uh, what might you say to them about, you know, a, a general policy or a, a viewpoint of do we have people who leave the company? Do we welcome them back, uh, generally speaking? Or, you know, how would you guide them on a, on a policy like that? It's a good question. Um, I do think it's situational because um, I think there's some people who, when they leave, um, sometimes it's a relief perhaps their oh, sure. performance issues. And so, <laughs> yeah. right. So they might want to come back and you might say, mm, yeah. we don't have something open here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I think for letting people, you know, inviting people back who left, I, I think that's more situational versus my stance on counter offers is typically, even if it's an A player that you don't do it um, mm. because counter offers just typically, don't result in success for the company or the individual. Um, they tend to be unhappy. They feel like they have a target on their back. Um, the company, even subconsciously, may not realize that they put a target on the person's back. They're less likely to get a raise at the next round. Um, mm. And so that's why we really coach clients, like reward people appropriately as they're showing excellent performance and you know on a regular basis. Um, because if you give someone a huge raise just to match a counteroffer so they don't leave, what you're really saying is I haven't valued you for the last X mm-hmm. number of months or years. And, you know, certainly there's extenuating circumstances if there's cash flow or whatever. But I think that's where it's important to be really, you know, especially if you have an A player who's in a leadership role, you know, where you're transparent with them about your value um, to them as an employee, their value to you as an employer. Tell me more about the concept of having a target on their back. What, uh, explain that. So typically what we see with counter, uh, you know, when a company says, oh, you know, well, we'll match that offer so that you don't leave. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now it's like, well, we paid you all this extra money to stay. So you should really be like giving 100% plus, you know, mm-hmm. you should be giving 110%. Um, and so I think the the expectations change and become even higher of that person um, because, well, we, we paid all this money to get you to stay. Why aren't you showing us so much loyalty? Um, why aren't you working even harder for us? And I, I, that's typically what we see with like a target on yeah. the back. Mm-hmm. And I imagine either their supervisor, managers, or coworkers are probably become aware that this person tried to leave we threw more money at them. And so now they're probably not getting the same, uh, you know, collaborate or collegial support maybe, or, you know, and that kind of thing. Is, is that also what you mean by target on their back? Yeah, it can create resentment too, especially Mm -hmm. if you have more junior employees, Mm -hmm. um, who may be more likely to talk with each other about what Mm -hmm. they make. Um, and who may be more likely to talk, to have already told their their fellow team members like, oh yeah, I put my resignation in and mm-hmm. oh, well, they gave me a big bump to stay. What did they give yeah. you? How much yeah. more are you making than exactly. me now, right? And so yeah. now you could have a mutiny on your hands. Um, it's just overall why you know we coach that it, it goes back to culture, right? And like mm-hmm. if you have a performance-driven culture that is you know where you reward people, um, they feel like they're adequately compensated and, and they're valued for their work, um, you know, typically that shouldn't be an issue. And sometimes you have to say, I'm really dis- sad that you have this offer, but I think we'll have to, you know, we'll really miss you. And if you ever want to come back, let us know. 
Well, um, I want to come back to, uh, you just triggered me. I want to come back to the idea of discussing Sorry. comp <laughs> and what your thoughts are on that. But first, I just want to share anecdotally, I've seen where people, you know, have left our agency for another job that was paying them more. And then they've come back to us and said, you know what, it's not worth it. Um, I want to come back uh, and I'm happy to take what I was making before. And, you know, in most of those cases, we've been in a situation where, you know, we've moved on and we were OK with that person leaving and, and moving on. But, you know, it, it just goes to show you that, uh, I guess, to me, that just because somebody's come back doesn't mean that the company paid them more money to come back. It just means that, you know, it might not have worked out. So I think there right. I think our audience should be careful to not make that assumption that just because somebody comes back means there was more money involved. And then secondly, I was thinking as we were talking is, you know, I remember earlier in my career uh, that there are companies that have a policy that, you know, hey, once you leave, you know, you can't come back kind of thing. And I'm sure that in the current employment environment, there's probably been some adjustment to that or reconsideration of that policy just because of the demand for, you know, uh, or the lack of supply of, of, of candidates. So, um, but let's talk for just a second about dis discussing compensation. Um, you know, I've al I was always raised both uh, at home and in the workplace that you don't talk about your compensation uh, with other people, you know, just like you generally don't talk religion, politics and money, uh, you know, and um, and there's a lot of people who feel differently um, about that, especially I think uh, the, um, the 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 generation of entry level workers. So but with that, I'm going to hold that question to the other side of our break, Molly. Sounds good. Okay, so we'll be right back and Molly will answer my question and more uh, on On Top of PR. You're listening to On Top of PR with your host, Jason Mudd. Jason is a trusted advisor to some of America's most admired and fastest growing brands. He is the managing partner at Axia Public Relations, a PR agency that guides news, social and web strategies for national companies. And now back to the show. Welcome back to On Top of PR. I'm your host, Jason Mudd, and I'm still joined with Molly. We left and, and bumped for the break real quick. Now we're coming back and we're talking about uh, compensation and whether or not that's something that should be discussed among employees. But first, I want to thank our sponsors, ReviewMaxer and Burrells, for their sponsorship of On Top of PR. If it weren't for them, we wouldn't be able to do this for you. So if you have the opportunity to do business with one of them, we would greatly appreciate it. Please let them know that we sent you. And now back to Molly. Hello, Molly. Hi, Jason. So how do how do you answer this question as our expert, both for um, employees? Should you know if you're talking to an employee, should they be talking about their compensation publicly? If you're talking to an employer, should they be forbidding and enforcing perhaps um, what's the policy they should be creating and talking about to their employees about discussion of compensation, Molly? Yeah, so I want to be really clear. I'm not an employment attorney. I'm not an attorney at all, but um, we have been actually coached by uh, attorneys that putting in your handbook or, or telling people they're not allowed to talk to um, other team members about their compensation is, mm -hmm. is actually illegal. Um, so we typically don't recommend that, that companies say that. Um, I think you should really assume any compensation that you offer to someone could be communicated to someone else on the team. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, that's typically at the peer-to-peer -peer level, right? You certainly hope that your managers aren't telling other team members what someone else on the team makes. Right. You know, the confidential aspect to that person's employment. Do you think the shift with um, being more transparent among um, each other 
is I think something that's going to help us create better pay equity among um, different genders, among different races, because, you know, I mean, we all see the, the metrics and the data around um, how much more certain demographics make than others. Um, and so I do think having more transparency is actually a helpful thing because um, I think sometimes there can tend to be an unconscious bias in leadership um, of perhaps saying, well, well, this person asked for more, so I'm willing to let them to give them that. This person didn't ask for more. You know, they asked for the, the very bottom of the range. And so that's what we're going to offer them. Um, and so, you know, and certainly, you know, good HR teams um, should be helping, you know, leadership and managers to develop um, general compensation ranges for each of the positions in their department or on their team, which can also help help you to stay kind of more in line and make sure that you're not unfairly or unconsciously kind of creating extra, um, giving someone extra who maybe um create a feeling of unpaired disparity among someone else. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And I remember in one of my previous employment positions, uh, I was supervising people and they would give me a range for each job title. And so if, you know, I had somebody who was valuable and they needed to move up, it would require in comp, it would require me to also consider giving them a promotion and job title and responsibilities. And, you know, that was very helpful because I remember we had a few people who just didn't want to get promoted, you know, didn't want more responsibilities. Sure. And so I said, well, you're at the top of what this position pays in your role. And, um, you know, and the next role requires supervising other people or, you know, working certain shifts that they weren't willing to do, or maybe it involved travel or, you know, things like that, that they were just like, no, I don't want to do that either. So uh, I think that's good. That's something we just started implementing. You know, we're a much smaller company than our typical audience uh, member who, you know, right. uh, has HR advisors and things like that. But we just recently, as we started hiring in our current expansion because of, you know, uh, at least for us, it seems really good to be in the PR business right now. Um, we've had an opportunity to kind of create those roles and ranges uh, for each of those roles, which has been, you know, is a nice evolution uh, for our brand. So uh, I wanted to ask you, Molly, about um, uh, benefits and uh, benefit programs. So um, what are you seeing new and trending and, um, and, and how can our audience uh, benefit from that information? Yeah. So some of the questions we're getting are, um, you know, we're worried about people getting poached and should we throw more money at them? And, and sometimes, you know, you and I have already said this, like sometimes the answer is yes, but it's not always the answer, right? Um, so we're really encouraging companies, teams, leaders to pull your team to find out what's important. Um, if you're in a larger organization and your HR team isn't doing that already, you know, I would encourage you to go to them and say, what are our plans to kind of do a poll survey or an engagement survey to understand what things are important to people? Because um, that can really help shape, you know, throwing money or throwing um, your weight behind a, a benefit that the leadership team thinks is important may not be the answer of actually getting um, the team what they want or need. So we're seeing a lot, um, especially with smaller organizations, um, moving, you know, how much more parental leave can you give? Are you making sure that your parental leave policy is fair and equitable for all parents, not just people who might give birth? Um, and especially since we don't have currently and, and likely doesn't appear that we will anytime soon, um, national paid leave. So, you know, what can you do as an employer to offer that to everyone? 
that really helps people feel supported as they're starting a family, that they're not just a worker bee and that you actually do care about helping support their life choices. Um, we're also seeing uh, companies offer assistance with student loan repayments. Um, the millennial generation and the Gen Z generation have a lot of student loan debt. And there's all sorts of platforms coming up because what we're seeing is that um, younger employees, you know, people who are earlier on in their careers are le more likely to delay starting to contribute to their 401k, their IRA, um, that sort of thing, because they're saddled with these huge student loan payments. Um, and so there's all sorts of different programs out there that are, you know, trying to drive that behavior of how can companies maybe help as part of the total comp package, help repay some of those student loans, and also get the person to start contributing to their 401k so that they can um, be better set up for retirement um, down the road. So those are some of the things we're seeing now. Are companies using a similar model to where maybe, I'm, and it's just off the cuff, where maybe an employee can opt into a student loan repayment program instead of a retirement program where the company matches a percentage of their salary to go towards that? Or is that just something that I'm just making up right here and now? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of different ways you can do it because um, there's some there's platforms that have different ways that you can kind of tackle that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think the biggest, so I think it's, um, it depends on what you want to do as, as the employer, right? And what's mm -hmm. your total comp package that you're willing to spend on each person. Okay, sure. Any other benefits programs that you're seeing out there that our audience would be interested in learning more about? I think those are the biggest ones. And really, I mean, when we pulled our team, the things that unanimously across the board that they want us to have and keep, which we do have, um, the PTO flexibility. Um, so, I mean, it, it's really, I would say case by case, depending on your company, um, ask your people what they want, because mm -hmm. that makes them feel valued and feel like they have um, an actual voice in, in making a decision about what they get. Uh, Molly, I hate to put you on the spot, but I haven't uh, ran this question by you ahead of time. So hang on. Uh, you know, you help a lot of, uh, you know, creative services or creative um, employers, if you will, from, you know, marketing departments, which is our typical audience to PR firms and ad agencies and things like that. When you're hiring creatives, um, can you speak just to kind of what are some of the unique um uh, challenges or the unique opportunities, or just kind of give some advice for those that are employing the creative class that are either, you know, makes their experience and their uh, departmental um, management and culture need to be different and or, you know, maybe just some creative tips about going about recruiting and retaining the, the members of the creative class. Uh, question. Um, yeah, loaded. I mean, somewhat... <laughs> It is, but it's also, I mean, these are some things that I think are important in general. Um, I think being really clear and specific about what the process is, like, especially if you think about for copywriters, designers, um, people who might ask to see a portfolio and also might ask them to complete a project as part of their interview process, be really clear and specific up front about how many steps in the process there are, how much time they can expect to spend. Um, be reasonable, right? Because they probably already have jobs. They're probably applying for a bunch of other positions as well. Um, and so be cognizant of that um, because the biggest challenge in the creative industry and anywhere right now is with um, the, the demand for talent so high and the supply so low and, and the employees and candidates having the upper hand. 
um, you have to be willing to move quickly um, and you can't drag about interview processes right now. I think also being really thoughtful about who's involved in the process. So certainly you want leadership involved. Um, think about, you know, depending on the size of your team and who that individual is going to work with, um, who of their peers might be good to, you know, this is not anything new, but, you know, take them to lunch, have coffee with them while they're in the office so that the candidate can actually get a, a really good vibe for what the team culture is. Um, and then the team kind of gets a vibe and can weigh in on that person as well. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I, I can't believe we've run out of time and I wish we had so much more to talk about today. Are there any resources that you would like to see us include in our episode notes of both how people can connect with you, but also maybe any guides or helpful uh, links to your website and other resources that you think would be relevant? Sure. I mean, our website is uh, www.vivogrowth.com and you can uh, contact us through the website if you have any questions or need any help. Um, and I mean, really, LinkedIn is a great resource for finding candidates um, and for any anything uh, talent related. Perfect. Excellent. Well, I'm glad we connected today. I hope that our audience will take the opportunity to connect with you on LinkedIn and, and, and connect with you in other ways. Every time we talk, I learn something valuable and you're always a trusted advisor that's literally saved in my favorites on speed dial. So when and if I need you, I can call you directly. And I'm just, you know, and whether it's you or other people on your team, we've always had a very consistent experience. So thank you for all you do for us. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, people that have uh, tuned in today have really benefited from learning from you as well. And to that end, I'll close this out by saying, if you enjoyed this episode, please uh, be sure to share it with a colleague and let them know how you learned from it, what you learned and how you benefited from it. And ultimately, you know, our goal today was to help you stay on top of PR. I hope we did that. And again, many thanks to our guest, Molly, for joining us. And if you ever anything I can do for you, or if you have a particular topic you'd like to learn about, please let us know. We look forward to hearing from you. This has been On Top of PR with Jason Mudd, presented by ReviewMaxer. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and check out past shows at ontopofpr.com. <laughs>